It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts. You're listening to BGN Radio. Darren Sproles gone! Touchdown, Eagles! Why you would punt the ball to Darren Sproles in the middle of the field, I have no idea. Right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network. That was a lot more peppy than the uh, the post-game show with Red Daring and Sean Brace. <laughs> we are finally uh, able to hopefully get over a little bit of that hump and bring just a tiny bit of joy, although I'm sure there won't be on episode 115, and we want to thank everybody for tuning in. Of course, uh, you can always catch the BGN radio show on 97.5 The Fanatic every Sunday morning from 8 to 10. And no, the Pope will not stop us. We will do a show this weekend with myself and James Seltzer, of course. And if you're listening to this on the pod, whether it's Stitcher or through SoundCloud or iTunes, please go out and subscribe, rate, and review wherever you're at, whether that's on Stitcher, whether that's on iTunes, whether you want to leave a couple of funny comments on SoundCloud, uh, and you can always follow us there. Please rate and review, subscribe, do all that stuff. We always want to hear your feedback to continue to grow the show and also just, you know, tweak it as much as you guys want. Tell us what you want. Tell us what you don't want. Uh, leave a uh, a photocopied picture of your buns, whatever it takes. Uh, but we are we're so grateful that everybody's hanging out with us. Of course, hanging out with us today. Uh, I look to the, my right. He has he's been the lost voice on this podcast, and we welcome him back with open arms. His, his beautiful hair and his beautiful face and his awkward style of drumming is what we love about Mr. Patrick Wall. What's going on, buddy? You know, John, we can't all be as graceful as you when we're when we're banging on the drums, right? <laughs> uh, and of course, uh, the man who I mentioned up top, uh, Mr. James Elzer. What's happening, pal? I feel like the only loser doesn't play drums on this podcast. Yeah, uh, how that's about tweeting out. Everyone's tweeting out drum pictures. I'm like, I don't have any of those. Not very, not very nice guys. It very is nice. a yeah. It is a beautiful Thursday afternoon as we're recording this here, and that's the truth. Like we uh, we we started doing TBTs, and we just kind of started throwing out you know 19 year old selfies of us playing drums. But the good thing about James is he is the 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 lead singer, and we're thinking about having like. A four-man front band with like five drummers only. Oh no, we're just eliminating the bassist and just like you know, with seventy guitar players, and we'll have just the worst Lincoln Park cover band ever, right? That was that was the goal. Um, <laughs> yeah, but- <laughs> I was kind of just hoping to be a groupie because I fit. I think that fits my skill set the most. 
Definitely. Really, really, really good groupie. But, I think that fits yeah. all our skill sets pretty well, too, if I might add so. Uh, but we have, uh, we have some exciting stuff uh, coming up as we're going to talk to some area health doctors. That's area, not like in the area, but uh, uh, A-R-I-A health as we're going to talk to Dr. Arthur Bartolozzi and also Justin Shaganon. They are both uh, sports coordinators and uh, the director of sports medicine over at the 3B Orthopedics. Going to give us some insight on, on Kiko Alonso. And DeMarco Murray, the hamstring issues, all that stuff. Kind of nice that they're taking uh, some time out. Is we'll get uh, we'll get a little more into this. Is it a tear? Is it a sprain? Type of deal. Uh, but of course, it is the preview pod for the Jets week. And if there wasn't any juice for Dallas coming into it, and it looked like maybe that was rightfully so, uh, with all the chaos that ensued there. And now we're at Super Take City this entire week. Where I don't know, Patrick. This is how we kind of felt coming into this thing or at least I did is yes I understood everybody's everybody was right on when you know whether it was E-Rock coming out of the stadium getting 2.6 million views on his YouTube page saying this is an embarrassment and fix it uh and you know the offensive line takes I thought were pretty good and now we've gone just far right hand side at least to maybe some of the sports radio world and some other commenters and everything is season is over wrap it up but Bradford is terrible Go back to college, Chip. Is uh, is that kind of the mood for you right now, or has this time allowed you to maybe get a hint of optimism going into this weekend? Last week, when we were talking on uh, on BGN, we were talking about how um, it was hard to pick the Eagles in the game against the Cowboys because of the way that they played against the Falcons. I don't know how anybody in their right mind can pick the Eagles not only to win this game but to have any sort of confidence in them going into this game against the Jets. I mean, what we saw on Sunday was maybe the worst performance I've ever seen out of this team in the last 10 years. So it's hard to have optimism. Uh, but at the same time, Chip Kelly does have a body of work that indicates that, uh, you know, he has the he has the scheme, he has the tools and he has the brain power to turn it around. So, um, you know, we're not sitting here hoping Lovey Smith is going to write the ship or anything like that. But at the same time, man, it, it's just really hard to, to expect good things out of this game and then in the immediate future. Yeah, James, are you on um, this is bottom or this isn't quite bottom side? I friggin' hope it's bottom side. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think there was any maybe about it. That was in my 33 years on this planet. Uh, however many I was cognizant of sports very early. That is the worst Eagles performance I've ever seen, especially offensively. So uh, like Patrick said, it's just really hard to watch that performance and think that they're going to be able to come out and, and do anything good against a, an outstanding Jets defense. But, you know, the talent's still there. I, I have been able to kind of pull it back a little bit. Obviously, Sunday, uh, you know, I didn't even want to watch. There was I was just – I don't remember the last time I, I just wanted to turn a game off and just walk away without having any idea what, how it ended. You know, it's it's – um, it's just a really tough time. And yes, I've been able to step back a bit. If, if you believed in tri- chip before, you got to give this dude a chance to try and figure it out. And like Patrick said, again, he is a bright guy. He has the the tools in his toolkit to, to figure it out. But man, it just, I just don't know how they figure it out quickly because it, it, it really looks like a train wreck and they have a, a week before. And I don't know if the season's over at 0 and 3, but you know, it's. I think that the number is like one or two percent of teams that start zero and three make the playoffs. So it's um, it, it's bad. It's crunch time. It, it's go time. And I just don't know if this team right now can actually execute enough uh, and fix it 
quickly enough to yeah. beat the Jets. Yeah, and you bring up a good point where, uh, you know, 0-3 is probably it. <laughs> probably. Uh, for some dumb reason, I, in the back of my head, the, the way the NFC East is continuing to play out here, I'm not necessarily sure that 0-3 is is it but what i will say and this is what i think and i don't know between uh, well we'll start we'll start with patrick uh i don't know if people are looking at that as okay they have to turn this thing around in six days and go from zero to 100 i'm not sure they have to go zero to 100 with the offensive turnaround i think they just need to get back to being okay on offense because when you look at this matchup at least for me uh, you're not going to, I mean, if people are expecting to go deep, uh, this game, forget it. It's over. I mean, you have Revis and Cromarty. You've got a, a lot of great, you have a great defensive line. You've got a guy that's going to dial up the blitz. This is a Todd Bowles that has seen this offense already in Arizona. And now he has the corners to kind of go in and here and do it. But I, I don't know if that is like the defense to me, Patrick has to almost win this thing. Special teams and defense. That's where it's got to kind of come out of here. That Jets offense is still not great and very conservative, and it's it's a very defensive-minded team. I don't think that Ryan Fitzpatrick is, for whatever, I mean, like John Gruden loves everybody, but, I mean, it sounded like he was the he was the next coming here. It's like, oh, yeah, Chen Gailey, this, this spread, blah, 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 blah. Um, I, it might get, you know, I, I fully expect Brandon Marshall to give trouble. I don't know if Eric Decker is going to be out there to kind of, uh, you know, tear everybody up here, but... Um, I, I don't know. I just feel like this offense just has to be okay, and the defense has to come out and and do the same things that they did against Dallas. Is that the only way you really – I mean, do you feel that the offense can at least get back to okay? Boy, it better. I mean, <laughs> this, this is going to be another Cowboys game all over again if it doesn't. I would expect that it will. I I just really don't see a situation where – the offense is going to be that historically awful two weeks in a row. There's, I, uh, Chip should be fired immediately, to borrow Matt Daring's <laughs> favorite phrase, if that happens. I, this is a this is a team that everybody was picking to go to the Super Bowl based on preseason performance. And yes, preseason is preseason, but that that those plaudits weren't coming from nowhere. These people weren't saying that because of because of nothing. I mean, this offense, when it's clicking, can really move the football. And while I don't expect them to do that super well on Sunday, just because I think that the way the Jets defense matches up, um, it sort of matches up in a way that can nullify a lot of the Eagles strength. You know, their their front their front seven is pretty good. Their corners are good. Um, it's going to be kind of one of those matchups that I think is is going to end something like 20 to 23 or something like that. But I think the defense will yeah. be able to hold its own. And I think if the defense can play another game where they keep the team in the game. I think the offense will have a chance to get some big plays. I think they're going to find a way to get um, maybe the tight ends involved a little bit more. Jordan Matthews will probably continue to eat. And you just kind of hope that that's, uh, that's enough to, to get over a team that ultimately is captained by Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, James, do you think it's more the whole other thing this week has been predictability versus simplicity versus, I don't know, everything else? You know, I, I think they're, they're people or versus execution, I should say. Um, where are you on that side? Because I, I, I feel more that, yes, I, I do agree that it is somewhat simplistic, somewhat predictable, but that shouldn't have stopped this team from running the football last week because they were just getting beat most of the time. 
it didn't even matter if they were there to stuff the run or do whatever. Um, in a couple of instances, yeah, th- that's where they won. You, you heard, you know, the Josh Huff comments and all that other stuff. Um, but where where are you versus versus that whole debate going into this week? Do they need to drastically change what they're doing? Do they need to add more run plays? Is the is the playbook too full? Or do does this offensive line really just need to start blocking people? I'm far more on the execution side than on the the system coaching side. I think ultimately players need to make plays and they're not making them, especially on the offensive line. I mean, uh, we're talking about miscommunication, missed assignments, uh, you know, just missed blocks. It, it's just these guys are just not playing good, you know, fundamental football we're not seeing any fundamentals there on that offensive line and and that's a major issue so I, I lean and again the drops and there there have been situations where if the offense executed it would not look as bad as it has looked um I, I certainly don't think that you you make any wholesale wholesale changes in the offense I don't think they should start huddling I don't think Sam Bradford needs to be under center more or anything like that I, I don't think those are the issues I just think they got to go out and play football and actually beat the guy in front of them. And it's not just the O-line, it's everybody. And against this Jets defense, which Patrick made a great point, matches up terribly with this Eagles offense. It's a bad matchup for this Eagles offense. They're going to have to be able to run the football. They can't beat this Jets team if they can't run. They just can't. We saw it in that Monday night game. Really the only offensive momentum the Colts were able to get at any point in the game was when they could get that running game going a little bit. So, uh, yeah, I it, they just got to go out and beat the guys in front of them, and they're not doing it, John. And, and I think that's the biggest number one issue moving forward. And maybe Chip needs to put those guys in better positions to win those battles, but ultimately it, it really does come down to executing. I mean, I think it's kind of hard to argue against it. We've been seeing all week these GIFs and Vines and, and videos and, and you know watching the film of just – just abysmal execution by the offensive line, especially. I mean, you're seeing, you know, Alan Barbray out there looking like he has no idea what he's doing. Andrew Gardner out there looking like a D3 true freshman. Like you're just not <laughs> seeing, you're just not seeing execution. You're seeing guys who look like they have no idea what their assignments are. You see a defense that seems to know what's coming before the play happens. And you're seeing, you know, I think one thing that I saw, I don't know if everybody is with me on this, but one thing that I saw during the game and even remarked to Brandon uh, in the press box was wide receivers not getting open. Yeah, that's, the, yeah, that's the, the secondary last week was all over the Eagles. Jordan Matthews was able to get, I think it was about 80 something yards and a touchdown. Most of that in garbage time. And other than that, Josh Huff has been a non-factor this entire year. You know, Riley Cooper is just uh, Riley it, Cooper is just Riley Cooper. And outside of, you know, Jordan Matthews and Darren Sproles, nobody's really pulling their weight. Nelson Aguilar is a rookie. He's got a little bit of an excuse and he's doing okay, I guess. But guys are not getting open. And, you know, I think it's funny because a lot of people earlier in the offseason were saying, oh, you know, the the Eagles offense is good. I don't know about these receivers. And a lot of us were saying, yeah, just wait. There's a lot of talent here. There's a lot of talent here that just has to has to get get settled and it hasn't gotten settled yet. Yeah, well, and now real quick, just to add into that, also, the, the speaking of the preseason, the biggest takeaway we all had was receivers are open everywhere all yeah, the time. Yeah. So yep. it's just very strange to see this quickly, and again, preseason, but to just see guys completely not open at all, to see it that stark of a difference is really shocking. I well, and it's amazing, too. I'm sorry, John. No, go ahead. I, I was going to say, it, it's amazing, too, because after the game, we talked to Lane Johnson, who said... He thought the offense may have been smelling itself a little bit. He said that, you know, 
they were they were thinking all preseason, oh, we're just rolling over everybody. We're dropping 30 on everybody. This isn't going to be that big of a deal. And then they get into the game and they got punched in the mouth and didn't know how to recover. Like you're a professional sports team. You're a professional football team with aspirations of winning the Super Bowl this year. How do you how do you take a, a great performance in the preseason and take at least two weeks to recover from from smelling yourself too much? It's unbelievable. Yeah, and, and it's it's weird too because maybe they were like, "Oh man, we weren't ready for Atlanta." And then the second half kind of came around and just shrugged that off as like, "Okay, see, this offense still works. We're still good." Um, and then just came into I don't know Dallas and just completely laid egg. I think there's a lot. I think it's all of these things. Uh, uh, but I, I, again, I do think it is more the execution, less the predictability. Uh, but I do agree that they need to switch some things up here. Uh, you know, they've kind of lost some of those dart plays. They've lost some of the the, the exchanges of it is, you know, uh, whatever. Selleck lines up here, the running backs here. It's a, it's a run to here. I think that is a factor in this too. Uh, but I also, just like I was saying, if they were able to even just block their assignments properly, it wouldn't. It would be much less of an issue. I also think that the reason why the playbook is so skinny and it goes back to Sam Bradford, is that he's just not ready for the entire thing. He's not. And I, I, I think that's the simplicity of what they're trying to do is just to get him comfortable as they add more wrinkles in. It was one of the big reasons why I said in the preseason, he needs to be out there as much as he can. You've already come this far. If he breaks his knee, you have a third-round pick. You have to get him ready because you can't have too slow of a start. And I think we're, that's what's happened with this Eagles football team now is it's way, way too slow. And I don't even know if you want to call this slow. They're just not ready. They're not ready with anything. And it, it baffles me the same way with even when wide receivers get open, they're having dropsies. Even when even when they're even more wide open and there's no way they can drop it, Sam Bradford will miss them. <laughs> you know, so it's just like it is, it is crazy how much the – the skill set from Bradford, everything else that has not really transferred over yet, just the struggles and the waste of two pretty decent defensive performances. You know, they were the ones that kind of kept them in this game on both sides with the turnovers, with the possibility of, you know, almost interceptions, all that stuff. We can we can nitpick that all we want. And, of course, we want Malcolm Jenkins to, you know, close down on there. But he had a great game. I'll even say this. I'll even say that Byron Maxwell had a much better game than we all probably originally thought. He's the one that knocked the ball out of Witten's hands and Jenkins picking it up. If there was no fumble there, who knows? If there was no interception in the end zone, who knows? So what is holding this back again for the second year in a row is the offense, which is crazy to say. That is insane to say for a Chip Kelly offense. Uh, but we, you know, we can have this debate all, all, all and on and on and on until Sunday, but it really just needs to come in here and turn around a little bit against the Jets. Not the whole thing. But a little bit, I think a little bit keeps you in this game. I don't know if they win it, uh, but we don't want to just hear from, you know, ourselves here. We also want to go to the phone lines, and that's where we're headed right now. We want to hear from you. Call the Duncan Philly Anytime Hotline. Leave us a message, and we'll put you on the air. 267-245-6066. That's 267-245-6066. Or tweet your thoughts to us at BGN underscore radio. One thing I think is getting overlooked just a little bit in all this mess is DeMarco Murray and his attitude. Because 
everybody's going, oh, you know, look at DeMarco on the sideline saying, give me the fucking ball, give me the damn, I need to get the damn ball, oh, 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 you need to feed me. Well, what the fuck do you think you're going to do with the ball when you're getting hit three yards behind the line, DeMarco? Lose the game is what, but you don't care because it's about your ego. That's some typical Cowboys bullshit, and that's the culture that they have over there, and he's bringing it here. And now I'm worried about that. Because on top of all the other things we got going on, now we got to deal with his ego in the locker room. So I'd trade him for a guard in a second, but I don't think it's going to happen. So I don't know what the fuck's going to happen. It's like every other damn thing with this team seems to be going to shit. So we'll see. I think that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. No offense. <laughs> no offense, bro. I, I mean, yeah, was come crazy, on, man. I, I, I was ecstatic that he was fired up. He was the only guy on that field who showed any passion whatsoever. Uh, you don't want him to be pissed off? They were embarrassing. I mean, that was a an atrocious. I, I can't even come up with words that are are vile enough to describe how how shitty that offensive performance was. So you know what? I, I loved that Murray was like that. I, at least someone out there recognized how awful they were playing and and wanted to do something about it. I, I don't know how you can possibly hate on that. <laughs> All right, send to the next one. Hey, BGN. This is Stephen Gloss calling from Afghanistan. First time caller. Just want to start off saying thank you guys for all that you do, especially being here overseas. It's really nice to have an avenue that we can just come to you guys for all the Eagles news and just appreciate that. Just wanted to talk about the Eagles-Dallas game. Just not pretty. I was fortunate enough to be able to watch the game here in Afghanistan, but I don't really think you can get fortunate from what we saw from the Eagles. I know that everybody's been calling for Chip Kelly's head, but I just want to go back to last year when the Packers were stumbling in the beginning of their year. And I think it's just time for all of us to just relax. I think the Eagles got this. They can pull it together. And I'm excited to uh, see the resilience of this team pull through. So just want to hear what you guys have to say and look forward to the next game. Well, first of all, I mean, Steve, buddy, you there is no way you should be thinking us. We are... We're sitting here in shorts, sipping coffee, and all you know we can we can do all this stuff because you are in Afghanistan. But we appreciate the kind words, and you know, come back safe and soon. And yeah, that's that's amazing. You don't get a call from Afghanistan every day, so thanks. No, for Joe, John, there. that might be the coolest thing that's ever happened for us. That's so cool, man. Thank you so much. Um, and Steve, uh, still feeling positive here, and I I can't. I can't exactly blame him to say like, you know, I've had the same same kind of thought process after these this week has panned out is like I, I don't think it can get can get worse as I'm knocking on some serious wood here because that, that makes my diaper awfully sweaty just saying so. But um, you know, just like the Packers year he was suggesting, he's more excited to see the resilience of this team now rather than the 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 draws and haws of all this. Uh, you know, can can you get on board with that, Patrick? I know it's really hard to do. I, I don't think I can do that yet, but I am excited to see how they bounce back from this. I'm very excited to see how they bounce back for this. I am one of the two writers in all of BGN Dome that picked the Eagles to win this week. <laughs> so I'm on board. Somebody's got to do it, right? I really, I, I'm, I'm almost sort of overthinking it to the fact, the point that I think, uh, I think I just don't see this team going three or three. Oh, and three. I can't even say oh and three. <laughs> it's so strange. I can't even say it. I, I really just don't see this team going oh and three. I really I really do end up thinking that this team is going to be in the race. I said a couple of days ago, I think that this probably ends up shades of 2011 where they have a slow start. They get it. They get hot at the end, but just miss the playoffs because of the slow start. But I think that the Eagles have every chance to win a 
you know, a game here and, and, they, and they have a chance to rattle off a couple wins and compete for the division. But um, I think this team, for the most part, has some really good coaches. I think Chip Kelly is going to have the guys ready to play. If you are a Philadelphia Eagles player and you are not motivated to play well in this game, you should be fired into the sun because <laughs> I don't know what else it would take to get you amped for this game, to get you studying the extra hours for this game. Uh, this is... This is the end. This is if you if they don't win this game, they're basically the Phillies of this year. Yeah. Where you just have another several months of futile pounding on your body. Yeah. I mean, it's too early to talk to the about the draft, even though Ben Natan is probably all about that right now. So, yeah, we don't want to do that either. But we thank you for the phone calls. And of course, as always, two, six, seven, two, four, five, sixty, sixty six. Leave them any time. I know there were some left in there from. Uh, a game day, and we just can't turn them around that fast, but we appreciate the phone calls, uh, as always, as we uh, we get to a nice little joy out of listening to them. Uh, well, right now, I mean, the, you know, one of the things, major things that we haven't talked about, and it's gone back and forth all week as far as what exactly is an ACL sprain, uh, what's, the, what's the status of Kiko Alonso, can he even play? We wanted to go farther in depth, thanks to people of uh, area health and also Patrick Rolfer kind of putting this thing together uh, right now on the Duncan Philly hotline. We're going to talk to Dr. Arthur uh, Bartolozzi and Justin Shaganaw as they're both from area health. Uh, the 3B orthopedics department, uh, Dr. Uh, Bartolozzi is the director of sports medicine and Justin is the uh, coordinator of sports medicine over there Two uh, real experts on everything related to injuries, sports science and health. And we are glad that they're right here with us on the Duncan Philly hotline. Gentlemen, how are you doing today? Hey, great to be with you. Well, thank it, you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We thank you, too. Uh, the the first, I guess, major thing that has come out of this week, and we've seen a lot of beat reporters kind of go back and forth uh, with what exactly an ACL sprain is. Is it a tear? Is it an actual sprain? What goes through the process of an ACL sprain? Well, you know, a ligament is made of a number of fibers, and the ACL has a number of complex fibers that all function to stabilize it direction of an ACL injury that the knee is no longer stable and when it becomes unstable it can rotate more than it's supposed to or twist more than it's supposed to and it can actually twist enough to cause or to make the player feel like the knee is insecure or comes out of joint. Uh, when you tear a ligament a sprain is technically a tear so we grade the sprain based on how much tearing there is. If there's a little bit of tearing, there's no looseness. If there's a lot of tearing or a complete tear, there's a lot of looseness. So we grade that one, two, three. And most types of sprains that we diagnose are in the range of one or two, where there may be a little bit of pain, a little bit of weakness, um, or a little bit of looseness. So going off of that, I mean, we heard earlier in the week that Kiko Alonso uh, was going in to have a second opinion. So in your experience, what does that usually mean for a player? Does that mean that maybe the injury is more severe and that they're just kind of making sure that they're not going to be out for an extended period of time? Or, or what exactly is the process for a second opinion? Well, you know, sometimes you want to have an opinion from someone who's not really intimately involved with the process. And a lot of players, well, they have confidence in their medical staff and doctors sometimes want to have another set of eyes. And when I was working with the Eagles, I welcomed, you know, other opinions because I thought it would be helpful to really instill confidence in the player and to make sure the player is aware that, you know, exactly what we're telling him is exactly what's being said. And that's not always the case. And so if there's a difference of opinion, then it creates a, 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 a venue for discussing, hey, what's up? Why is there a difference? 
but really it's mostly so the player has confidence in the direction he has to go. So with that, Doctor, I mean, like when you when you're uh, how long would a recovery time be if it is one of those low grader sprains that you said? I think this. I think they said this one was a grade two. So if somebody was was feeling confident to go through that, how would how would how much time would you guess that was? Well, let's talk about this particular player because this is a very tricky process, right? Grade two, if it's determined by MRI, is different than grade two determined by physical examination. And this is a so it doesn't have the have the normal structure or the normal architecture of the regular ACL. And so um, sometimes these ligaments, even after being replaced, don't appear entirely normal on the MRI scan. And grade two means that there's some laxity in the knee or some looseness in the knee that may not have been there before. So partial tearing, not a complete tear where the fibers are completely disrupted and the knee is totally loose. But sometimes a partial tear results in looseness that places you at risk for the injury or looseness that the player can perceive. And sometimes players can play with a certain amount of looseness and never even notice it. So some of it is going to be based on the examination of the knee and checking out how loose it is. And then how does the player feel when using that knee? Most ACL surgeries restore the knee near normal and not exactly normal, but it's close enough that players can play without a problem. All right, doctor, segueing a little bit to uh, to another injured eagle, talking about DeMarco Murray tweaked his hamstring in practice, uh, not really getting into the specifics of the hamstring injury itself, but, but kind of on a more macro level. Uh, we've seen this whole sports science transition with, with the Philadelphia Eagles, with Chip taking over. Uh, and, you know, that's supposed to limit these these uh, soft tissue type injuries. And, and it seems like that's worked over the past couple of years. So uh, more so, A, do you think that program really does help it in with the soft tissue? And do you think that you've seen a noticeable difference with Chip Kelly here? And, and B, you know, how worried should the Eagles fans be about DeMarco Murray, not just because of the hamstring, but because of the massive workload last year and, and just how much, you know, that body is is struggling right now? Well, you know, hamstrings are – significant problem. Muscle injuries in general are a significant problem in sports. There's been some studies that show that, you know, if you have 25 players on a team, you can expect 15 muscle injuries. If you have 50 players, you can expect 30 muscle injuries. And these really account for most of the time missed in playing football. Um, you know, so whether it's a bruised muscle or a strained muscle, uh, muscles are injured. The reason why hamstrings get injured is because the muscle, as it attaches to the tendon, is so strong that it actually exceeds the normal ability of that stuff to stay attached. So they rip off a little bit. It rips off. It causes pain, causes a little bleeding, and it hurts. And when you look at a player like DeMarco Murray, anybody who's using this over and over again, what places you at increased risk for muscle injury is... Well, it's the number one cause, fatigue. Um, and so a lot of these injuries occur either uh, towards the end of the half or the end of the game or in practice after you know, extensive practice or the next day after extensive practice. So fatigued muscles have a higher risk of injury. So previous injury also places you at increased risk. And, you know, most of these hamstring injuries are relatively minor muscle tears. They're not 
significant to the point where the muscle tears off the bone. So, you know, the large majority of these injuries are graded grade zero, which means you can't even see it on an MRI scan, or grade one, where there's just a little bit of swelling but no obvious tearing. So that's a large majority. Those types of injuries account for the most common causes of injury. And then there are serious ones where you, you've seen players miss, you know, half or total season with, with serious injuries. So most of them are minor. In DeMarco Murphy's case, you know, and as is the case with most of these injuries, it takes a week or two to get back to full activity. And players often know where they stand having had previous injuries like that final one from uh, from us here for and it's actually for both of you for doctor and and justin here is we've heard a lot about sports science ever since chip kelly kind of came in here uh you guys have obviously been working around it for your entire careers is there really anything different that you can see from the outside or inside or anything else like that where are they doing something different that NFL teams aren't? Does it really prevent these type of injuries? Because people look tend to look at this thing and go, you know, what are they really doing down there? There's still players being hurt. I think across all sports now, professional sports, they're really trying to use sports science to uh, limit injuries, improve performance. Um, you can see this with uh, NBA starting to use metrics now. Um, soccer, we've used it a probably a little bit longer than the NFL looking at heart rate monitors and um, workload and those kind of things. And sports science is really trying to find the balance between making sure an athlete is as fit as possible without overtraining them. Um, if you're not in shape, you're more likely to sustain injuries, especially muscle strains. And if you're fatigued, you're at more risk. Um, and I think that's the sweet spot that, that all the sports science people are trying to figure out. Um, I think this is new to football, and if you look at fitness and football, it's it's a different animal than most other sports because if you look at the total work done in a football game, it, it's not a lot compared to a basketball or a hockey match or a soccer match. Um, and I think Chip Kelly's trying to, with the increased plays, trying to improve fitness over players. And and you may not see a return on investment of this for another two or three seasons. So the players really buy in. They've gone through a, a season or two of this uh, sports science program. And that's where I think you might really start to see it pay off. Excellent. Well, gentlemen, we both uh, really appreciate your time. Dr. Arthur uh, Bar- uh, Bartolozzi and uh, Justin Shaganoff from the Area Health uh, Orthopedics Department over there in, uh, in 3B. So thank you very much for your time, gentlemen. We uh, will catch you next time right here on BGN Radio. Thank you. Thank you very much. So once again, just just great uh, great insight from from those guys, and that's like it's very interesting stuff. Um, when we got off the line with them, uh, Doctor Bartolozzi actually even said with the it had a really good nugget about the second opinion for Kiko Alonso is is completely normal, and people kind of take that out of context of no, I really need to play this this game, I really need to get back in here, I need to get you know whatever, tape it up, put it put a shot in it. Because I want to make sure my season isn't done. And he was telling us that that's not actually the reason why they do that. It's to have no influence from the team itself. Not not suggesting that that was going on, but there might be, you know, a bias there. So that's why you get the second opinion from somebody who's not involved with the team or anything else. And to give him kind of more a heads up on his, his uh, you know, career or the season and things like that, how much damage it would be done if, he would continue on the certain injury that he has there. So I thought that was all very interesting, and they're going to be with us hopefully through the rest of the seasons and 
Not that we want injuries to happen, but if they do, uh, those are the two best guys to kind of explain it to us. So thank you to them. Let's have a little fun now, and let's get in to the NFL picks. Hit me! It's time to ring the bell and place some bets. Hey, I don't want your money punching my money. Here come our NFL picks. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. I'm not exactly sure what our record is. It hasn't been great, but uh, it makes the it makes these uh, so much fun uh, regardless. Please don't trust us with your money, uh, but you can definitely, uh, you know, rake us over the fire on Twitter and all that stuff at BGN underscore radio for missing them or getting them for praise and, and all that good stuff. But let's uh, start out with Mr. Patrick. While we're we heading to first, my friend, guys, I really wanted I really wanted to go to this game because as the resident Nick Foles haters with a Z, <laughs> according to everyone on Twitter. We got to do the Berg and St. Louis. Yes. Nikki Six versus the Steelers. And I love the Steelers in this game because I love the idea of Nick Foles being forced to win a shootout. <laughs> so Pittsburgh is one and a half, one and a half point favorites here. And I have a hard time going against that, guys. I'm picking the Steelers. The top of the Nick Foles's, it's going to be great. It's going to be hilarious. Nick Foles is going to fumble six times. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Maybe it depends. Yeah, I'm not going to ring the bell on that. I think just uh, Pittsburgh just might have too much offensively to hang with the, the Rams' defense. Which, other than their defensive line, I still think their secondary still needs some work. So I'm with you there. I'm not going to ring the bell. But me either. I'm, I was always going to go with the Steelers. But but all I needed to hear was Patrick Wall, the, the king of lines. The man who knows everything about gambling, tell me to date the Steelers. And I, and I was in. Uh, Is that sarcasm? I think that might be sarcasm. I think the Steelers are a better team. I think that offense is, is humming. They get Levy and Bell back. And, and this Rams defense, uh, not, as, not as good as uh, people might have thought, huh? Giving up 153 yards uh, average over the first two games rushing. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think Pittsburgh puts up some points and beats them. Uh, there was a uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take over next is we're gonna go back to Dallas uh, for a little bit because it's kind of an interesting matchup. Atlanta and Dallas are matching up, and uh, Atlanta on the road has proven uh, once again that it can win against bad NFC East teams. And with Dallas not having Romo uh, or Dez, and you know the defense that they've kind of restructured over there, they get a little bit of a break here. They're gonna go up against Brandon freaking Whedon. Um, and, and you know, a, a, a hellacious backfield, which, by the way, I don't care if the Dallas beat the Eagles or not. That backfield still stinks, and I think Fletcher Cox and company kind of proved that point uh, pretty well. Um, Atlanta is the is anywhere from one and a half to two, uh, even one. The line's kind of all over the place. I'm going to stick with the one and a half here, and I'm going to say that it's kind of a Dallas line, but I'm going to roll with the Falcons. I think they're 3-0. and oh. Uh, after Sunday, John, I'm gonna I'm gonna hop in here and I'm going to not ring the bell as, again. I, I don't know how you could possibly bet against the Atlanta Falcons if they're playing the NFC East. What, what have we learned so far this season? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What have we learned? This team owns the NFC East. No, I I, I think that uh, I think it's gonna take. I, I don't think Whedon's gonna be awful. Actually, I think he'll be better than maybe we've seen him in the past. Um, but I, I just think that with the injuries and coming off the the big ugly win up here in uh, Philly for Dallas. I think they go home, and I think Atlanta goes in there and takes care of business. Outright! <laughs> James, where are we heading to next? 
All right, for our uh, our last game, let's head to the Sunday night game to the Motor City, John. They have cars there. They make cars there. <laughs> is that what they do? And that's what they do. And they also have a bad defense all of a sudden. However, I'm going against that, John. I'm taking the home dog. The Lions are a three-point dog at home against the Denver Broncos. That Denver Broncos defense is friggin' awesome. The offense, not so much. Who saw that coming? Uh, I think the Lions find a way to pull it together. I think that defense is much better than we've seen so far. Uh, I think they'll be able to move the ball at least a little bit uh, against this Broncos team, and I think they find a way to, to sneak out a win uh, to go to one and two. Uh, kind of want to ring this one, but won't. Um, I think that defense could give Detroit a bunch of problems. They've really struggled in the passing game. Their wide receivers aren't getting open either, and that's uh, Calvin Johnson and Golden Tate there. Uh, so a little bit concerning, but at home, I think this is their. They, I think they opened uh, both of them on the road, so I think this might be a win for, for Ring the bell! Oh, yeah! There it is! Have, that's my first that is my first ring the bell ever oh it, it is or at least my first ring the bell getting my john barchard voice on <laughs> i don't know you guys this denver defense is real good i do not trust the detroit offense at all i could totally see this being a game where the denver offense really gets together even if it is led by gary kubiak i think denver broncos win this one I'm taking the negative three and a half on this one. Well, it'll be interesting, but let's get to the uh, the thing that only matters here. Uh, James, actually, we'll stick with Patrick. Patrick, uh, are the Eagles going 0-3? No. What's the score? 23-20. I'm taking the birds in a close one. Woo! It's going to be sloppy. It's going to be ugly. You're not going to want to watch most of it, but they will win. James, are they 0-3? Oh God, man! I uh, I don't know what to do with this. I don't see how you pick against the Jets in this game. The Jets look like a much better football team. They're playing at home. But having said that, even yeah. though I can't come up with a cogent, rational, practical, pragmatic argument for why the Eagles will win this game, I just I I can't envision this team being zero and three, and I I also can't envision the Jets being three and zero. I I don't think. You know, they're coming off a short week, heading home, 2-0, and just beat the Colts. They were supposed to lose that game. I just, I think that that this team has got a touch of fight left in them, and I think we see it this weekend. I think they win a nail better. I think they win it by one. I think it's a 21-20 type of game. Uh, I am, uh, I'm right on the cusp of that. I'd say it's 20-17, no, 20-14, to 14, and the Eagles end up somehow pulling this out uh i think it's like it feels like arizona from last year but it actually becomes the other way and then then they end up being one and two uh it's a sloppy one and two but maybe that's how it goes i mean one of these has to be right eventually i keep maybe i should pick the jets just to flip it but i i just have the feeling that they that was bottom and there's no way that it's going to look that bad at least for a full football game so i think as long as that doesn't happen again then they can win this game, and hopefully it's on our way out. But uh, I want to thank again uh, Dr. Broder-Losey and, of course, Justin Shaganoff for joining us along with your phone calls, and that can keep up all week as we'll try and play as many as we can. Some of myself, John Barchard, for Mr. James Zeltzer and Patrick Wall. We want to thank you for listening to BGN Radio number 115 right here on BleedingGreenNation.com and LibertyBroadcast.co. Folks, we have now reached our final destination of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We realize you have a choice in podcasting. We thank you for choosing ours. You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network.